the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into hour two. We do so, you know, I used to say we do it every Monday. Maybe I should just say we do it at the beginning of every week because today is our beginning of the week. But we do it with Brandon Weikert, who is a columnist with the Asia Times and America Greatness and the Washington Times. He is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life, coming out um, coming out this year, blessedly. Brandon, how are you, man? I am busy and good and uh, working on, uh, it looks like the next two projects of mine is going to be, I told you about before, a book on the race for the Arctic, but I was asked to write a proposal for a book about uh, the Ukraine war, the truth about what's really going on. So I, the last 48 hours, I basically plowed through and did a sample chapter and did the whole proposal. So oh, good um, for you. Good for you. You us, really. Good for us. It's going to be very controversial if it gets approved. Oh, I'm sure, but good for us. If your ears were ringing, I was on the Bill Bennett podcast. uh, uh, We did a year in review, and uh, he said... um, is uh, if we if the Ukraine were not being defended, would Putin be just as likely to roll through other states? I think he may have even mentioned Poland. Yeah. And and I said, I, you know, the, the I don't know. You have to ask people smarter than me, people like Brandon Weikert. So if your oh, ears wow. were ringing uh, on the Bill Bennett podcast, which is up now, the BillBennettShow.com. Yeah, is where I just you can got uh, my, my, my iTunes. I, I get the podcast. Yeah, well, you're, iTunes, you're, right? you, you, you make an appearance. And, and, oh, well, uh, thank you. And wow. uh, and I'm gonna. Uh, I, wow. I, I just defer all those questions. It makes you sound smart if you can cite smarter people. So <laughs> I sounded smart by Hopefully citing. Hopefully, I don't embarrass you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I don't know the the answer to that though. What, what would your answer be if we if we didn't do something to stop him in the Ukraine? Would he would he swallow more? And would he be more likely to swallow more? Then China would be to swallow Taiwan. The real question. I don't know the answer to that, but you probably have a theory. Well, I think the, the, that's a two-part answer, so a question. So the, two, the first part is uh, Putin is living by Lenin's dictum, where basically you probe with bayonets, pushing through mush, only stopping once you hit steel. Okay. Uh, and so um, I don't know if he would have made a play immediately for Poland, because Poland is a member of NATO. Yeah. Um, I think that... You know, in, in Winning Space, my first book, the the first edition, I I was speculating when I wrote the manuscript in 2019 that there's a lot of talk about Ukraine, but also keep an eye out on Sweden yeah. and Finland. Yeah. Uh, because at the time, Sweden, of course, now is a member of NATO, but at the time they were not. Uh, and so, and we know that Putin had been kind of doing stuff on that part of his border as well. Um, and so I don't know if Poland would have been the, the immediate target, but I, this is what it looked like. Putin was trying to do. Uh, it looks like Putin was trying to take eastern Ukraine, uh, push through southern Ukraine with his holding in Crimea, 
and then create a land bridge into Serbia via the Transnistria region of Moldova. Okay. Uh, and uh, I think that had he not met the resistance he did in Ukraine, today we would be talking very seriously about a Russian imperium, a pan-Slavic Russian-led imperium, because the Serbs, it looks like, very badly want to be part of Russia, as do the people in Transnistria, Moldova. Um, and so that roadblock of Ukraine, Western Ukraine in particular, uh, it has stopped that. Now, the question is, would what, 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 what would other countries impute had we not uh, given aid to Ukraine? And I think that very clearly, yes, China probably by now would have already been landing in or, or blockading at least Taiwan uh, and Putin's sort of uh, hiccups in Ukraine have led to, uh, I think, a reassessment and an elongation of the timetable that Xi, uh, the president of China, had already sort of laid out. Um, but well, well, think, yeah, what was the yeah, phrase you ahead. used of Putin's strategy? Uh, what was it, the, uh, kind of the testing strategy? What was it, that phrase you used? Maybe well, it was... it's, the, it's Lenin's, and, and yeah. Lenin basically, he told the Bolsheviks, keep... Uh, Probing ahead. With ah, okay, ahead. that's what I wanted. The probe, the probing strategy, because it yes. seems to me, Probacilia. yeah, because it seems to me that's what China looks at the United States when yes. these things happen: the yes. withdrawal from Afghanistan, how we yes. may treat Iran. Well, and the withdrawal from Afghanistan, right. Seth, was the trigger. Yeah, that was yeah. the trigger. And yeah. I wrote, and, it, and I was surprised it wasn't more widely followed. At Real Clear World, I wrote right after the Afghan withdrawal, uh, I, the the Eurasian steel trap was closing. Uh, and basically that uh, the jaws of Eurasia, one, one side being China, the other side being Russia, were uh, slamming shut on us uh, and cutting us off from that region, which for 20 years we pretty much had a lot of access to because of our position in Afghanistan. Now Central Asia in particular is sadly uh, cut off from us yet again. Um, but the, the, the key thing I think we need to keep in mind is uh, how far do we go in Ukraine, of what course. is Ukraine worth yeah. to us? Right. And I think this is the problem, because I think this is where I now find myself not in agreement with many of the mainstream yeah. analysts in the West. And basically, I'm saying that um, if the war persists under present conditions, I am actually starting to think the Ukrainians will actually have all the gains or most of the gains they've enjoyed the last six to eight months reversed. Uh, it looks like the Russian war machine is now getting heated up. Um, and they're backfilling, uh, you know, these losses they've suffered in the first part of the war. They're backfilling it with not the best, but it's still there. The, uh, to quote, to quote someone smart, they invaded with 160,000 troops. That force has been defeated, but the Russians have not been defeated. They are mobilizing oh, 350,000 additionals. <laughs> yes, that sounds like what I wrote on Facebook. <laughs> I'm quoting you. Yes. Yeah, I'm quoting you. Uh, yeah. Yes, and of course it's. Unfortunately, you know, now, of course, all of the, uh, the the people on Twitter with the Ukraine flags in their bio are now attacking me as a Putin apologist, yeah, right. which, of course, I mean, I'm not. As yeah, I told no, Michael Walsh, yeah. Putin, you know, the Russians killed elements of my family long ago. So, I, I mean, I have no love for the Russians. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm an American, and, and I'm looking at it from the American perspective. And it is in our interest, as I said, to, yes, preserve Ukrainian sovereignty, as it was before February 2022, but it is not necessarily in our strategic interests or the interests of NATO or Europe uh, to, to 
basically tell the Ukrainians, go do whatever you want, we'll always have your back. You know, the, the, in the run-up to World War One, the German Empire told the Austro-Hungarians, we have your back, you take the reins in responding to the assassination of the Archduke in Serbia, do whatever you want, no matter what, you have carte blanche from us, we will always back you up. And of course, that is one of the reasons why World War One became a global war, because the Germans, they gave away their agency, they gave away their free will as a great power to a smaller dying power, Austro-Hungary, uh, which of course led everybody to ruin. And we're doing, if we're not careful, the same thing that the Germans did in World War One. We're giving our agency, our free will, as the world's greatest superpower, only superpower, we're giving it to a country that's desperate right now, and they will do whatever it takes to ensure that we and NATO are ensnared in a total war against Russia. And that is not something any of us should be signing up for right now. Hey, Bill, would you uh, take this uh, entire clip of Brandon and I and get it off to Claude and Bill Bennett? This this is the answer I wanted to have given. But no, I think it'll be good. Uh, Bill Bill will probably call on you, Brandon, to... Uh, to do this with oh, him, wow. yeah, no, I, I, because because people don't know, and and the only you know the only summoning I can come up with in in response to what you're laying out, Brandon, is you know the definition of you know what's in America's interests, and and if if someone like me wants to take a long view um, to be refuted, perhaps by you. You know, the question is, are, are we are we there for our allies in the long haul uh, or are we, as bin Laden said, someone, you know, a country that cuts and runs? Right. Uh, and 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 it's not zero sum. I mean, you know, right. we, we can continue to help with certain levels of accountability and certain of our own right. red lines with our allies as well. Absolutely. But but, you know, if we think about. I mean, the domino theory is not wrong, in my view. If we think about, you know, abandoning allies at a certain point, that does directly hit American interests, you know, however you want to define them. Which is why it was good we helped the Ukrainians the way we did. But now the Ukrainians have made a lot of headway, much more so than anybody the Ukrainians thought. Now's the time to leverage that and negotiate. Bingo. Nailed it. That's exactly right. Now is the time to leverage that. All right. Let me take a break and talk about the gang that can't shoot straight. Namely, the Republican Party. <laughs> yeah. Can I do that with you when we come back? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This should have been a great day. It should have been a great day with the inauguration of, no of POTUS 47 and a new speaker. And um, as the old joke goes, this is why we can't have nice things. Uh, I'll be right back with you, Brandon. <laughs> Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest. He is the publisher of the Weikert Report, theweikertreport.com. W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T is how he spells his last name. Brandon, this should have been a big day for us. And uh, <laughs> tomorrow the headlines will be Republican chaos, Republican leadership. Fa- uh, you, you get it. I mean, this 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 was so damned unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, in this case, the mainstream media headlines will be, for the most part, accurate. Yep. Um, we and, we gave it to him. We wrote it for him. We we oh, I mean, this is a continuation of everything since 2018 of just nothing but unforced errors. Yep. And you know the problem is the Democrats, and I've said this to you before, 
they control the, what Lenin called the cultural, you know, the, uh, what is it, the, the transmission belt yep. of society. So they control the cultural high ground. They have the media. They have entertainment. They have academia. They have the bureaucracy. So they have a lot of maneuvering room when they make mistakes. Yep. We, unfortunately, as the underdog, we don't. And so we've got to always be on our game. And that's not fair, and that's just the way it is, though. And so... I fundamentally believe that this was a, a display of abject, self-inflicted wounds. You had, I thought, you, I thought the, the best argument... By, by the way, let me, let me add to, to the point. The only leverage we really have against that, trans, that transmission belt, the only leverage we have is political leadership in the Republican right. Party, and we didn't exactly deploy right. it today. Go ahead. Exactly right. And, uh, you know, Jim Jordan... Yep. I, I remember I worked on the health I'm a I yeah. Yeah. with with Jordan. I knew Kevin McCarthy. I just uh, six months ago was on a plane with Kevin McCarthy by happenstance. <laughs> Had a long chat with him about our old friend, our mutual friend, Kat Kamek, mm-hmm. who was my boss back in the day. Um, and so um, he's very anyway. So I, today, Jim Jordan, who does not get along with Kevin McCarthy, right. couldn't be more diametrically opposed on issues. Jim Jordan came out and was the adult in the room yep. and said, we've got to nominate McCarthy, yep. obviously. Yep. And what the heck? They already did in a, in a caucus vote last I month. I know. I know. And so what we did basically was we went out and we mooned the whole audience. We basically completely, <laughs> you know, revealed ourselves in the most unflattering way. To a nation that, let's face it, is already very tepid about the Republican yeah, Party. Yeah. And I think it's time the Republican uh, you know, voters kind of, uh, and the, the leadership come to an understanding that we got our butts kicked in 2022, not just because of electioneering shenanigans, of which there was much, but also because people do not like the brand of the GOP. They were willing to vote for people like Fetterman for over-accomplished <laughs> Doctors, media personalities who, granted, were weird, but come on, let's face it, Oz was a doctor, and people voted against that in favor of Mealy Mouth Fetterman because they're tired of the GOP brand. And so we don't have a lot of wiggle room anymore. And what we did today was basically moon the entire electorate and say, uh, we're not ready for showtime. And we that we expect to be. And this given. isn't really about ideology either. That's no, the weird thing, you know. When no, you have Marjorie Taylor Green, yes. you know, arguing yes. on behalf of, I, I, I'm styled. guessing her relationship with McCarthy is worse than Jim Jordan's. When you have Absolutely. when you have her Absolutely. kicking the butts of the likes of but, Matt Gates, but, et cetera. But, but why is Marjorie Taylor Green? Why is Jim Jordan? Right. Why are right. those individuals right. coming out? for Kevin McCarthy. It's because McCarthy told them, if you give me the ring, I swear to you, you will have sway like you never had before. And we are so stupid that we don't even see that. I know for a fact backroom deals were hatched. That's the way politics is supposed to work. In this case, the cigar-filled room is good. And this is how it was done. By the way, there's a a horrible, horrible two-hour documentary a uh, 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 love fest for Nancy Pelosi that was made by her daughter. But the one thing on HBO, but the one thing that I found interesting, I watched it last night. The one thing I found interesting was how revealing it was. Pelosi 
to get the speakership to begin with and then to get it again. She did the same thing twice. She told the Democrats, look, I know the progressive wing, you hate my guts, but I swear to God, if you get me in power, I'm going to let you run with it. And you know what? She did. And that's exactly what McCarthy tried to do. And for whatever reason, the clown show in our party decided, no, we're not going to we're not going to do that. By, by the way, children. every day that they say no is another day she is still speaker. Oh, absolutely. And, and furthermore, it's another day that we can't start building right. the government. Right. It's another day because technically today they can start hiring people for committees. That's they right. They can start assigning That's right. committees. Stuff, That's but right. They can't the investigations could have begun. Everything the defunding could have, could have begun. The legislation drafting been. could have begun. And, and I tell you what, you compare that to the beauty five days ago, and I mean that, beauty and majesty of the DeSantis inauguration. Yeah. Yeah. My God, I was so proud to be a Floridian. Yeah. Uh, it was just such a. It was just. It was. Was his America. big speech today, or was it? Or am I? Am I just it was, catching? It was. It, it, was there, um, I, it was early. I saw it today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I saw, I saw it today. today too. Man, I, was that I, a great I, speech? I was posting it, but you yeah, know, it, it, it is like yeah. pure Americana. Yep. It is. It is everything this country needs. Yep. That's what we need in two years. But instead, we're we're instead of laying the groundwork for an effective. Winning 2024, we are still sniping each other over these stupid issues that don't matter. And there are issues of style over substance. McCarthy made the deals. He was going to put Jordan at a committee. He was going to give Marjorie Taylor Greene a seat at the table. He was going to do this. And now we're back to square one. And there is nobody. Look, I, you know, I love Andy Biggs. I love the people that they're talking about maybe being nominated instead of him. But I don't think any of those individuals are going to be able to get the other half of the party. Well, that's the important thing. That's a hugely important point that's being neglected here. For those that think that McCarthy ought to just say, "Okay, I get it. I'm out. There is an there is a there is an only McCarthy caucus here. That's right. And and, and they ain't going to vote for those guys. No. We'll just prolong the fight another week. Absolutely. And then meanwhile, we look stupider and stupider. And in the meanwhile, the voters are going, we can't ever vote for this party again. And I promise you, that is the conversation being had with at least a lot of the independent. Yeah, voters. if this is what it looks like when we're in charge, why put us right. in charge? The clown, it's the insane clown card. It really it is, like. Brandon. And it's yeah. it's awful. Um, it's it, it's awful because, you know, we are handing them, as you say, we are right. We are writing the story for them. And this That's is right. not one we can complain about an unfair media on. No, because they're, we're, we're giving them yeah. all the ammunition. Yeah. I totally and, I agree. Mean, you, couldn't, you couldn't have like like it's almost as if there's sleepers among us designed <laughs> yes. to make us look yes. really bad. Right. Because, like only somebody this evil right. could have figured out how to make us look this bad. Yeah, e- either a sleeper or a fifth column within our party that's <laughs> holding itself out as a first column. All right, uh, let's talk about the Middle East when we come back. You have a big piece out at American Greatness uh, that raises a lot of interesting concerns, or should, Iran's nuclear holiday gift to oh, al-Qaeda. Yeah. Can we do that? Yeah. I'm Seth Leibson. He's Brandon Weikert. He and I will be right back. Brandon Weikert is our guest. He's the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life, which will be coming out this year. Brandon, actually, before we turn to your piece on Iran and American greatness, uh a comment or two, if you wouldn't mind, on 
Israel. You and I have not really talked about the meaning of the election of Benjamin Netanyahu as the new prime minister and how that's going to drive all the right people nuts, I think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's this, there's, this, uh, there's this effort now, this, this, this minister, Ben Gavir, he goes to the Temple Mount, and that's obviously, to the entirety of the media, a provocation. Here's what I've never really understood, and maybe because you understand foreign policy and international relations better than I do, you can help me out here. Why is it that Arabs can walk freely on the Temple Mount or the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the West Bank, Tel Aviv, all of Jerusalem, and all of the West Bank, but Jews can't? Why, 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 why are Jews not allowed on the Temple Mount? Why are Jews not allowed East Jerusalem? Why are Jews not allowed in Hebron, where Arabs get every civil right they can possibly have in Tel Aviv? Can you explain this to me? Yeah, because um, Jews don't engage in acts of terrorism when they don't get their way, unlike so many Arabs. Um, and there's a now a long history of the Western establishment taking the side of Arabs, partly, I think, because they're worried that the terrorism will spread to their own shores, and uh, also because they're anti-Semites, or at the very least, anti-Zionists. Um, and, you know, they, they don't believe in the Israeli project uh, of national sovereignty, even though the Western institutions originally granted sovereignty to Israel in well, 47. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's that's all I can think of, because it's completely irrational, and it's completely a double standard. Um, and, uh, you know, you look, at the, you look at the kind of people who are against Israel in the West, generally speaking, uh, they're the kind of people that are also, uh, you know, voting for Joe Biden, voting for Barack Obama, voting for the Democratic Party, or, or they're the, the lefties in Europe. Uh, and so I, I think that there's sort of this fellow traveler syndrome. It's important to remember, uh, you know, the original group in the Arab world that was anti-Israel, anti-Jewish, was the PLO, which was a KGB-funded Soviet operation. And then, of course, now today you've got other groups taking the lead, the, the Iranian-backed ones, notably, like Hezbollah, and even Hamas is now taking support from Iran. Um, but I think ultimately it comes down to this this double standard. Uh, and the fact that really, let's face it, um, I think everybody in the West in power who's saying these things would be very comfortable with the Jews just being a second permanent, stateless, second-class citizenry, kind of like the Jewish diaspora in Iran. I think that's why. Okay. I can't do better than that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That does turn us to Iran's nuclear holiday gift to al-Qaeda, your December 29th piece uh, uh, from last year, last week, last year, <laughs> at American Greatness. As the rest of the world prepared for Christmas this year, uh, gathering gifts and goodies of all shapes and sizes in the al-Bajja region of Yemen, al-Qaeda was preparing to receive an unintended radioactive gift from Iran, weapons-grade uranium for making a nuclear weapon. Immediately, two things pop out with that sentence, and I'll let you unfold it mostly over a little bit of this in the next segment, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, al-Qaeda still exists, and <laughs> Iran would work with al-Qaeda? You can start there. Yeah. So they're not working with Al-Qaeda, and I, I made a point of, I believe, saying unintended. Yeah, right, yes. right, um, right. So basically, 
Uh, Iran is supporting the Houthi rebels in the Yemen civil war, and Saudi Arabia, uh, as a proxy for us, is supporting the Sunni uh, rebels or the Sunni groups fighting the Houthis in Yemen. Those Sunni groups, unfortunately, are Islamists for the most part. You've got al-Qaeda elements there. You've got ISIS or, or ISIS-like elements there. Uh, so basically, al-Qaeda got wind of the shipment of weapons-grade uranium coming in from Iran, going to their enemies, the Houthis, in the Yemen Civil War, and they were able to intercept that shipment, supposedly. This is all unconfirmed reporting coming out of Israeli sources. All right, hold uh, that, hold that thought, because yeah. there is a lot here, and I got to, I got to take the qu- sure. commercial break. Let me do that, and that way you can unfold it uh, with the uh, the full complement of time on the other side of this break. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest. He and I will be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest, columnist at the Asia Times, Washington Times, and American Greatness. We're talking about his piece last week in American Greatness, uh, Iran's nuclear holiday gift to al-Qaeda. Uh, Brandon, you were giving us the um, the two sides uh, fighting over things in Yemen, and now we're talking about a, um, a gift, uh, a gift yeah. that may have been delivered, huh? Yeah, and so... Uh, you know, this Yemen civil war was really a direct threat to Saudi Arabia, um, and it's gone on since 2013, 2014, yeah, really, right. with the Saudi involvement, at least. Right. Um, and it's considered the worst human rights catastrophe going on right now. Um, and now, because of this situation, the al-Qaeda might have uh, weapons-grade uranium, that, of course, you know it's not going to be used against Iran. It's going to be shipped over probably through the broken southwestern border here in the United States, and it's going to be given to, you know, al-Qaeda sleeper agents throughout the country uh, to do with what they want. And they'll probably take out a large portion of a major American city. Uh, And so now what should have been a regional conflict that, frankly, should have ended a few years ago uh, it, it really was a headache for the Saudis. Now, of course, tag you're it. It now becomes a headache for the United States and or its European allies. Talk to the audience just a little. Once in a while, we need to redefine for the audience phrases that pass by like thieves in the night. Uh, once in a while, we have to do EMP. Talk about what a dirty bomb is, Brandon. Yes, yeah, so a dirty bomb is basically it's a it's it's a small ish nuclear war. It's it's really not a nuclear weapon. It it has the effects of a nuclear weapon, basically the contaminants of a nuclear weapon. So radiation, basically. sometimes called a suitcase bomb. A suitcase bomb. Yep, yep. And uh, anybody who's familiar with that old now now that old show twenty four that was a recurring right, storyline right, in that show. Right. But basically, it's a small yield explosive device with a lot of radioactive contaminants. Right. So when it explodes, it's going to have a it's going to have a mushroom cloud, it's going to take out a large section of a city, but more importantly it's going to sprinkle radioactive right. contamination right. all across the probably I think it's like a 20 mile radius right. I think. Um, and so basically with that uranium conceivably al-Qaeda could detonate uh, a dirty bomb in the United States, and given how our broken southwest border is undefended, because the Democrats will not fund border security, and apparently neither will Mitch McConnell, 
uh, you know, the likelihood of, of these materials passing through undetected is very high, and the probability that those materials will end up in the hands of al-Qaeda's operatives, of which they have many here in the country, uh, is likely very high, and the probability that it will be used in a major city like L.A. or New York or, God forbid, my old home of Chicago, is very high. And we are not, and of course, the way that we, we are doing law enforcement in those cities, because they're Democrat-run cities, you can bet it, it's not going to be top-notch, our, our detection capability. So, you know, this is a nightmare scenario, yet again, blowback uh, coming on us for really short-sighted policies. You know, I was reminded uh, in my, I was reminding the audience in the first hour, the import of a powerful uh, Speaker of the House uh, who can be a Republican check against Democrats can affect foreign policy, too. Newt Gingrich's first years in, as Speaker, you know, were, were pretty strong on the foreign policy front and course corrected a lot of the Clinton weirdness, particularly when it came to the Middle East. The entire reason there's an embassy in Jerusalem now is because of the Newt Gingrich Congress of 1995. Right. That was the Jerusalem Embassy Act. Uh, we have delayed uh, we have delayed that again by a day and maybe by craziness. So let's go back to what's going on in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill right now. The 19, uh, the 19 members who aren't voting of our caucus, who aren't voting for McCarthy, uh, someone tweeted this out. I couldn't agree more. They said they wanted to have a debate. Okay, they had the debate. Two hundred and two to twenty. They lost. Two hundred and two right. to nineteen. They lost. Right. Can we can we please move on? That's, That's right. that. You have a debate. You have a vote. Come on. Well, and and furthermore, how is it that the Democrats are able to do these things behind closed doors to not give our media, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, all yes. the ammunition to use against them? So again, if you if you watch that Nancy Pelosi documentary. Her daughter was with her. It's it's really fascinating, actually, the inside kind of information that they they gave out with this. Uh, You know, they they showed what was going on 24 hours before Pelosi was named Speaker of the House in 2018. There were screaming matches between Elijah Cummings and others who were against Pelosi. There were like it looked like they were going to come to blows at one point in one of the conference rooms in Capitol Hill at midnight before the vote was cast. Why? Aren't we doing that? Why isn't this being done behind closed doors? Why are we giving the MSNBCs of the world all of this stock footage that they're going to use on a loop repeatedly, endlessly, to make us look like we're the party of crazies when we're not? And so, you know, it's just yet again, and you're right, it's going to have real-world implications. It's going to have implications on the economy. It's going to affect the stock market. It's going to have implications on foreign policy and national security because it's another delay in getting the right people in positions of power on the committees, more importantly on the committee staffs, who are going to be able to oversee some of these freak shows that are going on in the Biden foreign policy world. It's another delay, another way the Democrats are going to win. You know, um, I, uh, I, I I pay attention sometimes to uh, to David Marcus's tweets, and um, he uh, he said, um, quoting Maggie Haberman over at the New York Times, yeah. Donald Trump made whip calls on McCarthy's behalf with the holdouts prior. Now, however, called today, he declines to say if he's standing by his endorsement. So Marcus oh. responds by saying, I think correctly, this is as close as I've ever gotten to saying Trump is finished. He just appears to have no influence. I, that may right. be right. He, he may just he, he may be a, an exhausted volcano. Oh, 
I think that's it right there. I think that's the best way to describe him, the force of nature. He's, he's an exhausted volcano. Um, and, you know, he, yet again, and I think another problem is he's not stepping up now. He never now stands he by really, his people. He no, never does. Now is when he needs right. to be, right. you know, on the phone being yep. like, listen, I'm the former president. Yes, I'm I am the head of the party. Of the I am, party. Yes, 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 yes. And he's not, which just shows you how weak he is. And he like, and then again, you compare that to the the, the example of DeSantis in Florida, who's leading by example. Yep. Uh, you know, it's you know, uh, actions, not words. Um, but uh, you know, it's 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 really a shame uh, that it's come to this because uh, you know, in 2016, Trump really did save, I think, America. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and now it's just he's destroying the party. Uh, a little bit Nero esque. Little narrow. It's really sad yeah, he's fiddling. Now the time he should be coming up and saying, "God darn it, I'm the guy who picked McCarthy. He's my guy. You better get him in." Yeah, and, and and those 19 members, they're all Trump people. That's the thing. So That's the thing. <laughs> they're dependent on him. Them. That's exactly right. right. If he That's had right. influence, it would be with those 19. That's exactly right. right. Uh, let me take one last break. Short yeah. segment coming back. When, if we do get um, a serious uh, speaker of the house, I, McCarthy, hopefully uh, Jim Jordan, maybe. Maybe, maybe. I, I mean, I just I. I don't see how it's anyone but McCarthy, but yeah, when this I happens mean, in a week or a month, tell me what you think sure. the foreign policy agenda could be, okay? Could you do that? In yeah. our sh- All right, we'll be right back yeah. with Brandon Weicker. If you are concerned with stock market volatility, our friends at Y Refi have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market. You can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it. Whatever you like. And there's no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. It's a secure, collateralized portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right. 10.25%. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. And you can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or call them at 888-YREFI34. 888-Y-REFI34. Y-REFI34. Brandon Weikert has been our guest this past hour, delightfully. Uh, Brandon, you're head of foreign relations. Uh, once we seat our committees, once we seat our speaker, uh, what would be a good agenda for foreign relations at the House? Well, here's the problem, and I'm, I'm just going to say this real quick. Uh, the problem right now is every day we delay is the another day we cannot form the committees and the staff yeah. that we would need to implement this, yeah. which means it doesn't really matter what our agenda is. It, it's stillborn. I mean, this, yeah. this is the exact quote from a former member of Congress just texted me, and he said the House GOP caucus is, quote, stillborn. Yeah. And so I, this is just like the, the, the unforced error of not having a transition team ready to go when Trump won in 2016, yep. and we paid the price for it yep. the whole administration. Yep. So personally, it doesn't really – and I, I, I'm sorry to say, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. No, really I'm down, matter. too. I'm it, down, it really, too. They I mean, took 20 you know, people took down 202 and 300 right. million and, people. And, and, and now we are not having the running start you need yeah, to have exactly. in our government. Exactly. And so it doesn't really matter. I mean, in a perfect world, you'd be investigating, you know, the al-Qaeda thing I was talking to you about. What happened with that uranium? In a perfect world, we would say, heck no, we're not ever going to be okay with doing a new deal with Iran. And then also a big one would be that, yes, we're going to audit 
what aid we're giving to Ukraine because we are not going to go to nuclear war for Ukraine. We will help them preserve their sovereignty, but we will not go to nuclear war for them. And if we can get a deal with Putin that preserves Western Ukraine and lets him keep the Russian-speaking enclaves in the East and Crimea, we should be willing to do that. And so that's what the, the agenda should be. It's not going to be that now. It's going to be consumed by trying to play catch-up. And mockery, and, and self-imposed mockery on a party that yep. can't be taken seriously. Yeah, this well, is the Brent, end of the Republican I, Party. I'm so glad you see party. it the same exact way I do. I, I mean, I just know I'm on the right side of things when you and I are in agreement, which is 90% thing. of the time. And on the 10% we're not, I'm probably wrong, and you're probably right. Brandon Weikert, thank you for your hour. Happy New Year. Next week, we'll see if we have a leadership, uh, if we have leadership in the Congress. <laughs> All right, brother. Be good. I am Seth Liebson. Open lines next hour. Anything on your mind, 602-508-0960, 602-5080-960. Give us a call. We'll chat. No big whoop. Be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.